Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. This is episode 606, Axe and Grind. Axe and Grind. This is written by Ariel Levine, and it was directed by the great Giancarlo Esposito. Yay! Yeah! Yay! Hell yeah. Uh, I'm Chris McCaleb. Uh, I am an editor on Better Call Saul, and with us, as always, is an editor in her own right from Better Call Saul, from Breaking Bad. She's the great Kelly Dixon. Yay! Yay, Yay. Kelly! Hello, how's it going, Chris? Good, how are you doing, Kelly? Good, I miss you, you know. I miss you too. We should go go out to dinner or something. When are you done? We've been, uh, well, done. That's a a long question. That's a a hard thing to answer. (laughs) But... (laughs) But no, we'll we'll figure we'll figure out once once we we're we're working on uh, episode ten right now, and uh, once we get through that, maybe we'll uh, I'll, I'll uh, we'll we'll, f- we'll figure out a, a time to go break away because I break yeah, away. definitely. Right. What happens in episode ten? Oh, <laughs> you're just gonna so have to wait for the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you you already heard his voice, um, and uh, he's he's uh, one of the co-creators of the show, and the other co-creator, the co-creators of the show are here, you guys, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Hey. 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 And also with us, as always, is Joey Reinish. Hi, Chris. Hey. What's up, man? Oh, well, you know, recording a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon yeah. in uh, in Los Angeles, California. Although I think we're all spread out a little bit, um, and we're this just going to jump over my Twitter. Oh, look oh, at that! Wow, I love Aww. it. This is not uh, a visual medium, Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just showing y'all. People, yeah, uh, and let and the fans decide what that picture. Kelly was. just showed us something mind blowing that we can't tell you about. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh my That's, God, Kelly! Yeah, I can't is, believe it. This is good theater. Now of we got to hold the secret. Um, well, and and uh, we're, we got to jump right into it with our with our very special guest. The I, we've already said their names, and you've also heard their voices. The writer of this episode, Ari. Levine and the director of this episode, aka Gus Fring, Giancarlo Esposito. Yay! Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, truly, truly an honor. Absolutely. Uh, and I edited this episode, uh, and oh, uh, and, and, yes. and we're very fortunate, even in these these COVID times where we've been doing a lot of remote um, editing and and. Giancarlo and I were actually f- fortunate enough to have the, the timing worked out that you were in L.A. and we were able to spend some days in the cutting room together. It, it was a real treat, I, I must say, Chris. Uh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to navigate that clear view and do it from a distance. And uh, it, it's always for me uh, in cutting to get a clear sense of um, of who you're, you're working with and, and to get the feeling of you was, uh, I, I just felt like it was an office, awesome experience to be with you in the editing. Oh, well, thank I, the feeling is very, very mutual. It was, it was, a, it was a fantastic experience and, uh, and so, and you did a great job. Uh, what, what was that like switching from, uh, from being, uh, I mean, I know you've directed before, but from being in front of the camera with this crew playing this, this character for, for so long to then get behind the camera and, um, and uh, create these scenes. What was that process like for you? Well, I was humbled and really, really honored. Um, and I, I love the script, I should first say, by Ariel. And when I got the call from uh, Vincent, Peter, and Melissa, I, I truly, um, I think I remember ho- saying, hold the phone a second, and just screamed, uh, because it's been my <laughs> dream <laughs> to, to, to direct in, in this particular medium. Um, and then I realized how um, how nervous I was uh, because I wanted to honor the legacy of this show and the great work that all of the creators um, had put down and 
could I um, fit whatever vision I would have for these great words and this great script into what is the show? And and so I found myself like letting go of any idea of, of, of me being an actor at all, uh, even down to you know my coming to the set thinking I like to come to the set kind of dressed in, in a way, um, and I, I I let all that go. And I was on the set, and I think some of the crew members were wondering who I was uh, because I, I I literally up late, disheveled, kind of just being into the script, going how can I honor this and be a channel for this view and this vision um, without um, having my ego get in the way or anything else. And also for me, it, it was a real learning experience to to be with such professionals, not only who had cultivated their craft in doing the show. And in being suggestive to the great minds of Vincent Peter, who have um, co-created this, but also to their craft and wanting to allow them to do what they do and learn from them. So it was in, in many ways a way to get out of my own skin and allow the machine to work and to be there to direct what I thought could be performance and camera from the way I saw it. And so um, um, I just uh, I love directing for that reason. If you come to it in a very pure way, um, you'll you'll really be honoring the script, number one, and then the vision of, of, of the way it's seen, but be able to also bring a little flavor uh, to 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 what um, to from from your heart to what the, the show is. And I, I think that is kind of key to to what is necessary in, in particular. I, I felt and I don't know if you've heard this, um, but I I felt you specifically your your work with the actors i think i i think there was there was a you have a real sensitivity i detected with you know as an actor yourself um and uh do you love working with other actors i guess would be i, I really do chris and and i was very sensitive because uh you know there's there's genius that happens on the show particularly for you know bob and ray and their relationship and to try to mine some new ground in that is to be, I have to be very um, astute and aware and observant of what they're doing um, and and wanting to choose the right words to allow them to go deeper without getting in their way or saying something stupid where they go, ah, you know. <laughs> uh, and so for me, I wanted to deepen what they've already done and what I see that maybe they missed and how to get them into a place that allows them to be a little bit freer. And I think for any new director that comes in, um, you know, from episode to episode, they know the character better than I do. Uh, and I've been looking at their character through the lens of Gustavo Fring. So it's really to let all that go and go, oh, he just did something that inspired me. And I really feel like a lot of, of, of the way for the way I direct is to be inspired and then to say just the right word to inspire them to have a new thought about something. Um, and for actors, I think we bump up against, and sometimes I noticed it in this episode, against something that's written that they they want to make sure is is um, completely authentic and real, whether it be in timing or in the value of, does that match up with something here? And we had a few of those moments with Bob. And then I always want to be um, diplomatic and go, well, we can shoot it both ways. But I know from previous experience that, you know, that doesn't really work because the after's half here, half there. So then we, we take the time to have a conversation about it. And, and a lot of the pieces that link to this episode, um, uh, I have to say, I'm not an expert on. So there I got great support uh, from Peter, um, from Michael, um, and and also from you know our our illustrious cast as to what happened then and what did you do then and where was this then right. and how should it be now and so to listen and be open I think is is was really so so key for me 
And then to allow, and I, I want to cry because I think everyone allowed me, you know, the first day, you know, everyone's behind the monitors and you have our little tent and everyone's there and all their chairs are set up and everyone's right there. <laughs> and how do you have the confidence without being so nervous to do what you think you see your vision is? You've worked out some shots, you have some new shots, you have some alternates, and, and you have a great first AD who wants you to have all your shots listed. And you hear from her, Vince does an overhead drawing of everything he does. Oh, and, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, okay. Um, he's drawn every little piece of it out, John Carlo. Um, and then as the days go by and confidence gets a little higher as to you, to, in, in me that I can feel it and know how to direct it in a certain way, the seats um, get a little emptier and people have other things to do and they trust you. And it meant a lot to me to be supported in that way in this world. Uh, you know, John Carlo, that you're, you're, uh, your story just brings me right back to Breaking Bad and uh, my first day directing on Breaking Bad, because I remember there was this, you know, you can just feel it. Everybody, at least in my case, they're, uh, who's this guy from the writer's room coming in and trying to direct an episode? And our, our wonderful line producer was, you could just see there was worry. And then uh, it was the greatest comment at the end of the first day. On Breaking Bad, every piece of equipment you kind of had to negotiate for in a way that you don't on this show. Uh, and at the, end of the, at the end of the first day, uh, the line producer, Stu, Stu Lyons, came up to me. You know, if you need a steady cam or uh, you know any you know any kind of extra equipment, you know, just just give me the word. And that had told me that I had made. He he was just relieved I made that day. <laughs> I think uh, so that there is that there is that kind of um, exhale after the first day. At least I felt it. Anyway, it sounds like sounds like a similar thing. I've never heard yeah, of absolutely. It. And we had a, a bit of a bifurcated episode due to schedule and, and Stefan's yes. schedule come from Europe. So we, we, we I, I had a prep time that was um uh, you know, uh, amended because we had to start a little earlier. So I had to focus on one area of the show, uh, which was all of the action that took place in, in the barn um, and in, you know, in Germany. And, and that was something that I had to go, okay, you have to let all the rest of the show go, but how is this going to fit in? How will it work? And focus on doing this and then stopping and starting for the rest of the show. Um, and I, so it was really about being malleable and thinking quickly on my feet because everything got pushed up a little bit. Uh, just to be, just to be absolutely uh, uh, clear about this, you ended up having to shoot the most intricate piece of action, high stakes action taking place in Germany. And that was your first day. That was, and that was even before you had had a full prep. And it was, it was because of Stefan's schedule and, and, and every, the way everything else fell out. And boy, did you hit that out of the park? It just, it just, Oh, well, it just, thank it you. Just, uh, that was uh, just even seeing a few of the dailies. Uh, I know I got very, very excited about the sequence, Great and job. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it's and it's 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 uh, it rock you rocked it. Uh, and that was Thank that you, was Peter. with l less prep and more complexity. So uh, congratulations. Absolutely, uh, thank you. And I, I never had to navigate that kind of that that feel of that scene. Uh, I, I never had the experience of having to navigate that, and also realized too i realized now that the added thing was that this also played into i believe and that made me even a bit more nervous but i certainly got comfortable by by all of your guidance and knowing i think i, I learned so much and again i get really choked up and emotional because i realize it's the questions peter you asked me some incredible questions like how do you see this without any stuff on it 
right? And I'm like, is this a trick question? Is he trying to trick me? <laughs> Do I know the answer? And, and I'm always now about, as I get more mature, like if I don't know the answer, I say, I don't know. But you asked, how do you see this, this section? How do you see that? Do we want to see that? And, and, I, and I had thought about it, luckily, um, and I was thoughtful and I thought, well, I don't need to see all of that. Um, I was just watching back to an episode where Werner gets it uh, on YouTube and mm. so brilliantly shot and so beautifully done. Um, and, and I love the style of the show where, you know, you come out before Werner gets it and you're in this incredible wide shot that is so far away, but you really feel it because you've earned that moment from feeling the performance in the close-ups between he and Mike. And I just look at that again. I should have been looking at some other episode to go, how can I speak about this more cleverly when I'm on the podcast? But, but that <laughs> caught my eye because uh, I hadn't seen that, um, I don't think, ever. And so I just watched it and I went, wow. Um, it's filmic, it's visual, it tells a story, and it's really powerful. Yeah, that's right. And so, and you, but you've, and you've directed a lot. Giancarlo, how many you've did, done? Several, directed several movies, and you—I mean—you've been doing it. You—you you know your stuff inside now. We were lucky to have you. Is it? I was. I was. I always wonder two questions: how, What is it like directing yourself? And then also, if you could only do one, what would it be? And luckily, you don't have to choose. But <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! I feel blessed not to have to choose. Uh, so for me, directing myself is difficult. Uh, I can only refer to Tim Robbins and Bob Roberts when uh, I did a movie with him. He was directing himself, and he oh, knew God. who yeah, Bob was movie. inside and out. Wow! There was when he stepped on the set to direct. Bob was in his back pocket. He could just bring flip Bob out, and he could spend all of his time just looking at what he wanted in terms of frame and visual and, and directing the actors. Wow. And, and for me, when I first directed my first film, Gospel Hill, uh, I felt confident, but I, I did, um, I, I first felt as an actor, we have such egos, I don't want, I'm fine, I can direct myself, I'm that good. <laughs> and then I thought about it a second time and went, wait a minute, you know, you want the whole, prod the whole product, the whole film to be absolutely excellent. And so you want someone watching you. And so I asked um, another actor, um, Tom, uh, to uh, really watch me in every scene behind the monitor oh. to make sure I was within the parameters. Um, I, I knew it inside and out, but I wanted someone to guide me to see what the whole looked like. It's odd to direct yourself. I'll never forget Angela Bassett saying to me, I want to see how you're going to do that. And now I want to ask her the same question because she directs now. Are you going to uh -huh. step away from the camera and talk to yourself? She had this really <laughs> fabulous joke for me, and I went, I don't know about that. Um, it, it's an odd thing. I think, it, I think directing keeps you more honest. And to answer the rest of your question, Vince, if I had one or the other to choose, um, I think I would choose directing. Oh. And I, I say that because of where I'm at in my career now. I've, I've done so much acting. I'm so over myself. I think I've become a better actor for that reason. <laughs> you know? So uh, I, I think I choose directing because it, it's just, I feel in a way more like a child and more unjaded and pure. Interesting. Right? I, I feel like I don't have to, to, do, to amend my performance because a director's not up to snuff. That happens for me. Okay. Uh, or I have to build trust in a director that I don't know. So as an actor, I hold back. And okay. so in directing, I don't have to deal with any of that. I can come to it honestly and say, hey, we're doing this all together as a cooperative. It's okay. what I've learned from this show, and I can ask questions. On the set recently with John Favreau, uh, again, for another big project, and he's yeah. – 
you know, another guy. I, I'm afraid I, I wasn't as brave to ask you so many questions, as many questions, Vince. But he speaks a language I don't understand in a sci-fi world, and it's all this, and what's this? Yeah. And I just stop when four people are standing there, and I go, hey, excuse me a second. Could you tell me what that means? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? and, and part of me, you know, used to be embarrassed by wanting to ask that. But the other part of me is I want to learn. Sure. Like, wait, slow down, guys. You're way over my head. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Help me out here. Well, well, it's, you know, it's, I love that it's all storytelling, isn't it? Whether you're behind the camera or in front of it. And it's when you're concentrating on that, you know, the language, someone else can always translate the language as in, you know, 25 millimeter lens. I don't know what that means, you know, whatever. It's like, you don't really have to, just as long as you know. Uh, that's the trick with directing that people, you know, oh, I got to know all the lenses and I got to know this and I got to know that. And, and I and you you know all that stuff. You've been doing it a long time. But but the trick is for anyone listening, you, you don't really even have to know that stuff. You just need to know the story you want to tell, right? And you gotta have an understanding of it, and and then you know, all right, this is the story I want to tell, and this other stuff we can that can go away because that's not part of what we're doing. And yeah, it, I agree. I mean, I was blessed yeah. with such a great script and I had to go, well, what's what is this story of this script? Where does it lie in the turning point of of Jimmy McGill's life and Saul's life? Where does it lie in the turning point of their relationship? Right. You know, where does it lie in what we don't see of Gustavo, but what we see of of Lalo Salamanca? Um, you know, what 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 is what is the turn in the story for everyone? And um, and I think I found it in, in many yeah. ways, but I kept coming back to that, like yeah. that being the most important thing, because, of course, I'm looking at it. How do I inspire these actors? You know, um, Stefan came in out of the blue and he had played this character before, but this is a different, a very different piece for him. Um, even even Francesca, you know, a very she's a very different human being that in those moments for her and where her Tina Parker, where her character is in that moment. I kept seeing, wow, this is the beginning of this Francesca that we used to know mm-hmm. and how do I get her to, into that mode in her head and ha- have her stay there without losing the the wonderful Francesca who's so excited about all the new stuff that's happening um, <laughs> and all that I had to allow that just to guide me and then of course how to uh, how to really um, you know, inspire Bob, who's ab- absolutely so smart and so genius, um, and and who always feels to me like he's never absolutely married to any choice um, because he can do them all. You know, it's just which one is the right one to choose in this moment. And I, right. and and the blessing really is to have a script that supplied tension, edginess, drama, turning point, and and comedy. I mean, it's like, wow, I, I just I feel like it was just a beautiful gift to have. Oh, yeah. Great script. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic script. And, and, it, and it does turn on a dime in this episode from from comedy to to like super tense action and, and suspense. And um, I, I know one of the scenes that you already mentioned her, Francesca, the scene, one of the scenes that we've been talking about a lot is that scene in the alleyway <laughs> where, you know, he, Jimmy forces her to uh, call uh, HHM and, and get, get some, get some information in a sneaky kind of backhanded, but that was, that maybe wasn't not even that illegal. Bad. He's asked her to do way worse. Oh yeah, <laughs> later, later. Not yeah, yet. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's this is this is how it starts. Death by you a thousand cuts. And she's yeah. really good. She's like, oh, bless your heart. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. She's really good. I just remember the first time the first time we ever saw her, and he's like, Francesca, can I follow you home? And she's like, no. 
I just felt like, you know, uh, Saul was so smooth. I mean, Bob was so smooth in that transition into the hallway. You know, I just lo always love the moment. You know, let's go. Can we sequester in the law library, you know, from this beautiful <laughs> office and you're out in the alley. And, and he's so matter of fact and smooth about the way she, he guides her. And she, you know, I really wanted her to just be so questioning. Is this legal? Is this right? I mean, this is one of the first times she's sort of breaking that um, uh, the, the, the law in a way. She's questioning, is this the right thing for me to be doing? And what are you doing? And getting a taste of it. And that, that scene to me is just really fabulous, too. It just really, really, really works. That is. And was it was that a fun one to write, Ariel? Was that oh, it was a blast. It was so much fun. I mean, they, they knocked it out of the park, as did you, Giancarlo. Like, it was... It was so fun. I really love getting to tell this, this, you know, this story of Francesca. <laughs> Poor Francesca. Oh, my God. You know, we, when we meet her and, you know, in season three, it's so fun because she's this, you know, just chipper, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, so excited to be working at, you know, Wexler McGill. And just you see how, how far she, <laughs> not she doesn't she, fall, but her add, situation. She gets to decorate the office. She did all right. And she did a great job <laughs> decorating did. the office. It looks she great. Did. For these Philistines, you know, who don't appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> they trash it so quickly. I didn't want to interrupt all of the the really great nuggets of um, directing from Giancarlo on this, but I just want to make sure that we get to a lot of this stuff because there's so many cool things that happen in this. And the first thing I really want to ask about is who is the actress that portrays Kim's mom? I'm like, is that her sister? At first, I thought it might even be Ray. I'm like, wow. I'm wow. looking really close. I'm like, <laughs> wow. is it? You know, that was really cool. That and what whole, a great teaser! Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That, that was great. And then I was like, the earrings. Oh my god, it was that was really cool. <laughs> can you guys talk a little bit about? As I always ask, can you talk about the genesis of that? Can you talk about how that? You know, how you guys broke it and what you guys were thinking about when you broke it. Gosh. I'll jump in before, Ariel, I want to hear what you, but I, I think yeah. that we had a, I, I had a struggle with some of this because, you know, there's, there's a question of how much biography you want to give to the characters and how much you want to explain the character. You know, it's, it becomes a kind of a very, a very reductive thing if everybody is the way they are because of something that happened to them before. Because I think there's, there's, there's more to it than that. Uh, and so it's, it's, it, I always I felt like with this and the the other teaser we had, where where we saw uh, the same two actresses, Katie Beth Hall and Beth Hoyt, playing uh, young Kim and her mom. The last time we saw them, uh, you, you know, Kim was Kim was uh, uh, left alone with a cello and wouldn't drive with her mom because she'd been she'd been drinking. And this one is very different because you know here's young Kim in trouble. Uh, it. You know, it's 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 it, we actually had a different teaser for a while, Ariel, and and I I did the thing that always freaked me out when I this was Ariel's first solo script, and she just did a Yay. fantastic job, awesome, so job. great, yes, and, and I remember yeah. I remember being in your position, Ariel, and as soon as you know you you had the all the cards up for the episode, you're starting to write it, and here here we we came and we went back. And we said, wait a minute, is this the right teaser? It was a, it was a very different teaser. It was also about Kim's past. Uh, and then we, we kicked it around. Something didn't feel quite right to us. And we kicked it around and came up with this, which I think is, is uh, I don't want to talk too much about the site. Maybe one of you guys can. I, don't, I feel like I don't want to pin down her psychology too much because it starts feeling like, you know, the fortune cookie that explains her who she is. 
But you can definitely see her relationship with her mom has shaped her life. And Ariel, what was it like writing for uh, writing for writing for these two great actresses who are not series regulars? You know that you know they're they're playing characters who are very important to the show, but you know neither one of them is a series regular. What's it? What was it like writing writing that? And we don't usually have children on the show. It's it's a little unusual for us. But right. how was that? How was how was that, Ariel? And did it did it freak you out when we changed the teaser? <laughs> well, and Ariel, I, I, before before you answer, I, I just wanted to say because I know we're going to lose Giancarlo in in like two minutes. Um, and and I I he's he's got some time constraints. But I it's sort of to piggyback before before we get into Ariel's answer on that is working with those two actors, in particular the young woman who plays young Kim. Uh, I I mean I wasn't there, but I just I were all very taken by her her performance and and uh, what was it like working with her and 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 the mom? Um, they were both highly sensitive actresses who were mm. very keen on um, on their position within the story as a whole, and uh, which I felt very grateful for. Um, I, I I think that you know trying to tell a young actress who is probably never been in this position before, uh, how compromised she is in that moment uh, in doing something sneaky in a moment that, that gives her the opportunity to, to make a choice that will change her life or not. Uh, and then to have it turn full circle uh, in the car where her mom um, reveals to her uh, that, hey, I got them for you anyway, uh, was just a, a really the, these particular earrings that she tried to steal. And the mom just works this store manager. Um, it was great to work with them. They're, they're, they both were uh, really sensitive and really had acute um, awareness of, of um, how how meaningful this scene is and would be. And and for me, it was really heartbreaking because it reminded me of an incident with my brother when I was young, going to the master's shopping center and le- trying to leave and, and having that moment where we were stopped by the manager. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And he had nicked something. Wow. And, and I was with him. And so this scene really brought all of those really awful and really weird memories back to me being in a small office, the whole thing, which is why trying to find that location and trying to make that room smaller. And mm-hmm. Peter kept suggesting you got to make it smaller. And I was like, oh, it's too big. And what do we do? How, you know, all, <laughs> all of those things played on me. We, we got out of that situation and I didn't present him with what he tried to steal, which was great. Uh, uh, but it was a great lesson to learn at 10 or 11 years old. So, um, I just feel like sometimes art, you know, uh, uh, mimics life in certain ways. And for me to get close to something in this material, if there is somehow something that that I can hold on to, they both had a certain stanchions to hold on to, and they were fierce actresses and rendered it really wonderful. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, some of the views of what I wanted, most of what came to fruition, and you will see on screen um, that were so. Um, that Paul Donahue was so responsible for in my work with him. Uh, I just want to mention how, what a great eye he has and a great um, efficiency ha- he has in the way of he works with light. And there was one shot that, when, that we did use, which I think was fantastic, that I just saw uh, from an angle that looked straight toward the door, which is an awkward, really, way to look, but it was what was on the sides of the buildings on each side that I just felt. It felt like a tunnel into them coming out. And so I just mentioned... I, 
I, I mentioned that shot only because Paul and I, um, I, I, I mentioned it to Paul and he was like, hey, it could work. Hey, maybe it could work. And, and we had, <laughs> you know, it was one of those last minute things. And eventually he turned to me and said, that's a great shot. Great eye. Nice. And, and so, um, and also uh, to Peter, you know, we had a shot that really came out above the car as it was leaving and, and Peter decided not that that suggested not to use that because it felt like the scene was over. And, and so, and I went, oh, Oh, I get it. So we go up, we go out, the car leaves, the scene is kind of over, and then we're back on her in the window. And I, at the time, I went, huh, I don't know about that. But in seeing it, it was a great suggestion. So I just want to, you know, thank, you know, everyone for all their great support. And, and, and Denise, um, who, when we try to work, you know, Denise, who, 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 who um, is our designer of our set, all, all of these things helped to create a visual inside me that that um was really appealing and allowed me to see it and and to be allowed as a director to really see it um then i have the ability to really bring it to life with the actors and um i'm just really honored to have been um educated in and participated and be in the cooperative position to still be learning and and i love that this is a collaborative really wonderful medium peter i have to say to you you know, I, I I never had any doubt that you were a great director. I know you're a filmophile, a great writer, but um, you are an incredible filmmaker, and and it just is very very clear to me. So um, thank you all for having me today, but also thank you for your contribution to what I've learned and to my career as a director. Uh, I'm just honored and so pleased to have had the opportunity. Well, hey, I, I, hey thank hey. you so much, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. And, I got to cut and, out. No, Jean Carlo. I'm, I'm, I'm laminating. Was, I'm laminating that and carrying it in my wallet. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and, you and do that. Just, just real quick, if you can tell us what uh, happens with Gus Fring in the next six episodes, and also the third season of The Mandalorian. <laughs> That'd be just real fast. Just real quick. Anyway. I'll give you a quick rundown. You know? <laughs> hey, Chris. You know, um, I. I I can't thank you enough for having me and for being for doing these podcasts because I think they're really revelatory for the for our audience, um, but also also for having the the ability to sit with me in the room. Uh, I, I'm still quite amazed that we were we we were actually done early. Uh, I, I'm blown away by that. Um, you you taught me the uh, the the idea of balance in the room. Ooh. You know, we went we went this far. We came back. We tried to push a little further. We went. I realized to, to understand. Where, what you've come from and gone to, what the limit is, how you've tried to figure it all out, you, you leave it where it's good. You, you leave it when you, when you got the touchdown, you, you leave it in the end zone. And uh, I want to thank you for your graciousness and, and the, your collaboration with me as well. Oh, man, right back at you. It was an absolute delight. And, uh, and thanks for making the time today. We cer- certainly you. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Great, Great My to pleasure. see you. My yeah, pleasure. Right thank here. you, guys. Thank okay. you. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Carlo. Bye. And just like that, we're back. Welcome back to the <laughs> Better Call Saul, the, the rest of the, like, 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 like Paul Harvey. And now you know the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're reference. too young to know that one. I used to by listen the, to him. Oh, Paul Harvey. Yeah, he was great. I, I and Ariel, I, I'm sorry I cut you off earlier because um, I just knew we were going to lose Giancarlo. But um, but yeah, I, I, I really would like to hear, like, I mean, like, like Peter said, this is your... This is this is your first solo credit as a writer on the show. I mean, you've you've uh, you've you know what how what was the experience like of of um, of writing that scene and find like finding I mean, you really find the balance between comedy and drama in this episode and uh, and and you know talk talk a bit about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this uh, this teaser was really fun, and I know you know like like Peter said, you know, we did 
talk a lot in the room about wanting to do a, uh, you know, a flashback, a Kim flashback, you know, kind of um, continuing the story from the last Kim flashback we did in season five, which was so fantastic. Um, you know, we obviously never wanted to tell a story that was sort of like, this is, you know, this is what, you know, Kim's all about, you know, see, it was something in her past. It was this one incident. You know, I think something I really love about what we're saying about Kim and all of our characters this season is they're, they're not just one thing. They're complicated characters with, you know, um, they're the sum of all of their experiences. And so this is kind of just a moment in Kim's life, you know, uh, where she, you know, maybe did something a little impulsive, you know, she, she's not the, you know, fully just the straight laced, you know, kind of girl with the cello, you know, who refused to get in the car with her mom. You know, she's, she, she shoplifts occasionally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she had this one moment and, um, and her mom surprises her, you know, and, um, is, you know, she's, I, I, I mean, I love the way that they both play it. You know, I do totally buy that her mom is, is really bringing down the hammer and Kim looks so scared, you know, but also a little, you know, she kind of likes that her mom sets this boundary for her, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, the moment when they're walking out, you know, and she kind of reaches for her, uh, her mom's hand, um, there, it was full of a lot of really, really kind of touching moments for me. I really, I really enjoyed writing this yeah. teaser. It was but great. I love how subtle you know it is. I've got to go back to something that you said is like, you know, you can say that this, you know, maybe one time, but this was really, really, um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, this is a big moment in her life because she still wears those earrings. I'm sorry. I don't mm -hmm. have earrings that I was wearing in seventh grade. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's still wearing those earrings. So yeah. my question is, you know, I mean, that is something that I noticed that I'm going to like, continue as I watch through the rest of the season to be like, is there something explanatory about that? Because to me, the idea that you guys put that particular thing is what was stolen. Now, here's the other question. I don't know if that's what Kim was stealing. I just know that that's what her mom picked up for her. Well, she does say her. that it, what, what she got uh, nabbed for was trying to steal earrings and a necklace. Yeah, but... Was, oh, but I mean, oh, but were they the same right. ones? It's You're same right. Set. Yeah. And I'm not asking you to clarify. I'm just saying the idea that you guys chose that particular thing mm. to show that that's what you know her mom did get for her, or if she stole them herself, whatever. She's still wearing them. So that yeah. to me is is very very. That's a choice. Oh yeah. That yeah. is a deliberate choice that oh, you yeah. guys are making. And I don't know what it means. But I thought it was super interesting, and again, um, I'm going to be watching if if it if there's any more, you know, um, I guess uh, uh, indicative things about Kim's character from that. So that's all I'm going to say. It was cool. It was cool. It was cool. It's it's really well it's really well done. It's 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 a, I, yeah. I want to second that. It's like heartbreaking that I, I I mean maybe she does it in order to get her mom to yell at her. And then when her mom doesn't, yeah, it's just kind of heartbreaking. And yet, you know, but, you know uh, that her that her mom, you know, this is where those earrings came from. That she's like like Kelly that she says that she's still wearing them today. Her mom is obviously is un, you know Kim doesn't have any pictures of her family up in the apartment, and that was raised right. that was raised request. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah. you know you there's still there's she may not have a picture of her mom, but she's got this these pieces of jewelry. Which are so much a part of it, the sh her life, you know. So there's it's it's a yeah. it's inter it seems like a very complicated relationship between these two. And it's a yeah. huge it's a huge question that I still get. I, I'm like I kind of have to tell people, look, I don't know, I don't know what happened, <laughs> but 
I mean, Deborah Chow was asking me the other day. She's like, I still, I just want to know what happens oh. to Kim. What happens? And I'm like, you know, I can't talk about Deborah that. Chow. I'm sitting here working on oh. your, yeah, I'm sitting here working on your show. I can't say shit. And I'm like, I can't say. <laughs> well, will you but, say hello for, will you say question. for, Chris, say, uh, yeah, say yeah, hello say to, to Deborah for say us. Say hello to Deborah. Yes. What a what a what a brilliant yes, director but she Chris, is. Chris, I mean, don't you oh, get yeah. that a lot, Chris? It's like, oh, we just want to know. Does Kim die? It's like, no, I don't even, know. Even my mom will ask me questions. I'm like, mom, you know, I'm not going to tell you anything. A, because I'm not going to tell you anything. But B, because you don't really want to know. You yeah. think you want to know, but you want you what you as an audience member, what you I, I at least certainly the way I feel is I want to I want it to unfold. It was why Kelly like that. That dumb story that I tell, it's not dumb. This, the, this, the true story that I tell when you asked me to come work on the last season of Breaking Bad. And I was like, well, can you, can you let me think about it? Because then I can't, then I can't, because then I can't watch it. You know? I'm so glad you said, I mean, so what glad a, you said yes, Chris. That's all I can say. Uh, yeah, he said, no, no he one said, is can... happier about that than I am. Trust me. <laughs> he said, let me think about it. It's like, what? Yeah, no, but, I thought you know, about it for like, about 30 seconds, but, like, you know. You know, pe- pe- even when we started, people were saying, oh, well, Kim, Kim's got it, you know. And I'm like, how do we know? We know nothing about Saul Goodman during the Breaking Bad time. She might have been around. We mm-hmm. don't know. And I, I will say that I always tell you guys this. Whatever y'all come up with, I never saw coming, so I don't even try to guess. Like, I'm just not even going to try. But I think in this case, that was pretty interesting to me. I mean, I love getting a little bit more, but the earrings to me were the clincher of it. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, damn, what does that mean? Cause I know everything means something. I'm so excited for yeah. you to see the rest of it, Kelly, and <laughs> see where it goes. There's so <laughs> yeah, many things. Can send it to me. With, God, they're not done. Know. We're working on it. Um, so you should live that, stream. That would be great. I love that. <laughs> idea. That's so what we should have. Yeah. We should have been doing that. You know, one scene that yeah. we haven't yeah. mentioned that's, that's, uh, it's one of my favorites this season is the scene between Howard and uh, Howard and his wife, yeah, uh, between Patrick and Sandrine. Yeah. We finally meet oh, Mrs. Yeah. Hamlin. Oh, oh my that's God. Cute. That's cute. She breaks Cheryl. my yeah. breaks my heart, yeah. Ariel. Yeah. So chilly. I know. There, it was such a, such a fantastic, such a fun scene to write. And so it was, I mean, shot and edited and directed. I mean, so, so fantastically. They're great. I, I love, Leah. Yeah. I, I, I love, love kind of peeling back to the layers of, of you know, Howard's home yeah. life. Because we see so little of it. You get, you know, like you see the outside of his house in season five. And, you know, two episodes ago, he sort of casually mentioned, oh, things aren't great at home. You know, things with Cheryl are, we're a little mm-hmm. on the rocks. Who's Cheryl? Yeah. You know, we sort of in the writer's room, we always notice that Howard wears a wedding ring. So right. he is married. So he had, so we had to kind of, you know, work from there. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so he does have a home life, but we've never met her. We've never seen her before. Where is she? What's going on? Well, and I love hey, I yeah. love what you've done here, which is you you maybe care even more about him, and you've you've given us even this guy who I mean in in earlier seasons like we were talking about maybe on last week's podcast I I I, I think uh, that this guy that we we kind of love mm-hmm. to hate because he was such a foil and he was such yeah. a he was yeah. really getting in the way of what Jimmy was trying to do or so it seemed often. Or, or the way that he treated Kim, which I mean, that's still unacceptable. <laughs> but, um, but, but the, the you know Team Kim forever. But the, the 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 sympathy that I feel for him because he, I, in my reading, he's clearly still very much in love with his wife, and he really wants to make it work. And what I get from it, and 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 you know, maybe everybody can relate to having been in something where you're like. One person is like mm-hmm. maybe kind of done 
you know i mean who who knows where where things are going to go you know in their relationship but the the i don't know i i just he, you know seeing that seeing him in that very vulnerable position it it just gave me even more sympathy for him and, and really made and me makes, feel for him. He makes, he makes yes. like a peace sign, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Ariel, is it? she dumps it in the thing. Uh, 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 I love oh, that. Devastating. It's so, it's so hurtful. Like that's cold-blooded. Yeah, is that's... it true that, I, did I hear this right? Did that Patrick learned how to do that? Yes. That's wow. crazy. Wow. I, I, I don't know if that's him and like he he's making it in the, in the final shot, but yes, he did. I, I do believe he did learn how to make it and he, it is that, Looks hard. I didn't realize how hard it was. That looks I was like, oh yeah, peace sign in, in a latte. That's easy. That's really, for him. And, and we all, looks- you know, we also had in this in this episode, there was another actor, the um, Casper, the um, who he he came in early, and, and again we were we were talking about it with, with Giancarlo that they had to shoot that early based on his availability, and. It was uh, he came in early because he really learned how to do all that axe work, the chopping of the wood. And I I remember getting the dailies thinking like he's really good at this because he's he he really was doing it. And uh, and that's when I was told that he had come in and for like a week or something like a I don't know. I actually I don't know the amount of time. So don't quote me on that. I just quoted myself. It's a mistake. We have microphones. Things hey, happen. Hey, Mike and Mike, yeah, how do Mike. you pronounce Stefan's last name? It's Stefan Kapichik. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, no problem. That's th- yeah. that's very, you know, very, very helpful. I think very Mike's helpful. voice is uh I, I Stefan and Mike have, you know, both have these great deep voices. I think they should do a uh they should they should do a podcast. I agree, Peter. Maybe we call it Two bears, one axe. Oh, I, 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 I would definitely subscribe to that. That's the next Same. spinoff. And I want to see more of Sandrine Holt too. She's she she's first yes. off she doesn't she's great in that scene, but also oh, like yeah. uh, Hamlin did yes, well for he himself. Did. It's like she's yeah. a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful woman. Yeah, and a she's very a, good actor. I mean, yeah, you, wonderful. You yeah. you may recognize her from from Mr. Robot, or uh, if you're a big Fear the Walking Dead fan, you can see her uh, in, in season one of that. Oh, and, right. No, and who, great. you know, the, you know the, since we're talking about cast members, there's one other name I have to throw in here, which is John Ennis. Uh, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah. John Ennis, yes. of course, was, was on Mr. Show with Bob. And John is, is a favorite of everyone in the writer's room. He came, I, I, I don't know if, I don't even know if I should reveal this, but he auditioned for us a few times. And it every time he didn't get it, it killed me because I wanted him on the show so badly. Yeah. And now he's he's yeah. uh he's so yeah. funny in this episode. In fact, who's he play, guys? He's he's Lenny. He's the actor who they're trying to make up like that yes. judge. With the mustache. And, and, and he you know, she says, uh, drama girl says, You're doing you're doing you're doing well. He says, I am, aren't I? And that was John's. <laughs> that was John's improv oh my God. Uh, that became that became the out out of the scene, and we were we were so he's he's wonderful, and of course he's the father of Jesse Innes, uh, who who plays yes. Aaron Brill, and so we have a father yes. father and daughter both yes. on the show. It's a family business here at Better Call Saul. Yeah, no, he's that was great, great having him. He, he's so he's so damn funny. He's yeah. featured in Bob's book, comedy, 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 drama, right. which is a great. By the way, we haven't mentioned it yet on the podcast. It's a great read. Yes, uh, and and uh, I recommend it highly. It's, also a great uh, I listen. Learned, I learned. So, oh yeah, that's right. You you I, you listen to the audio audio book. I did, audiobook, the, I did you? the audiobook, and it's it's uh, you know it's it's I like I don't get enough Bob 
at the office <laughs> while, while, we're, while we're, you know, cutting his stuff. And it was great. It was a really, it's a very fun book. You know, it bugged me when, because I love the book, but I read the book, which was great. But then I found out from you, he had done an audio book. I wish I had listened to it instead of, and I usually love reading instead of listening, but but uh, that was some, um, well, you know what? I just, I got to go through it again, except as an audio book. That's right. There you go. Yeah, you know, another, another fa- uh, familiar face in this episode. And one of my favorites is Joe DeRosa returning as yeah. the vet. Yes. Uh, I just, uh, yeah. I mean, did we already pitch the vet? Uh, did I already <laughs> make an impassioned plea for the vet spinoff? Um, that would be I think good. I, I, maybe when Gordon was on one time, but um, yeah, I just love Joe DeRosa, who was who was he's a guest great. on the podcast uh, several years ago. And right. so funny, he's just so the best. funny. I, I I really love this. Is another like thing, sort of like the earrings, where we get a little bit more, a little new tidbit of props. Yeah, for, that's gonna mm-hmm. take us into uh, the the sequel. To better call Saul, um, but uh, you know we see the vacuum cleaner card and yeah, and, I, and I, I'm curious about the coding that got done in that book. So can you guys talk to me about the props? Yes, Ariel should tell us about the book. Yeah, um, the vets. You know his little you, fans at home. You can read the vets' little black book if you can only decode oh. the. <laughs> it, it is a functioning. Yeah. Cipher so that they, like they the, created. Uh, the Zodiac or something. Wow. Okay. Uh, they and 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 was it Ariel? Was it was it you? Was it or were there other people involved? Val maybe or how, who who yeah. all put those together? The, those that was a couple of our glorious assistants. Um, yeah, Valerie Chu. I think. Um, I think Claudia also. Claudia. And Claudia. Yes. Wow. It was, a, it was a group effort. Is that is that right, Mike? Is there any? Are we leaving anybody out, Mike Behrman Trout? Yeah. Yeah, you did. It was Valerie Chu and Claudia Assermendi, like you mentioned, but also Jen Carroll, and they had help from Joanna Zhang and Kathleen Williams Foshi along the way. So. Yeah, you left out quite a few people. Great. That's that's I, I we always yes. want to make sure we have everybody uh, accounted for and and cr- properly credited. Um yes. that that vet scene, I I really I love that vet scene for for a variety of reasons. There there are a couple of fun little tidbits in that scene. Um one of them uh and I want to talk about the the uh, board full of animal pictures and cards and stuff. <laughs> I was uh, so bummed yes. that I couldn't have gotten my dog in on that uh, picture. I was so uh, bummed. Uh, I, I was also yeah. bummed, um, but what I did manage to do was get my mom's dog's voice in the episode. My mom's dog, Toby, <laughs> is barking, and he, he, he kind of is, he's like the hero, he's like a featured dog. Is he Union? How'd you do that? They have a very different union. It's a totally different union. <laughs> How did you, did you do it with a, like a record it with an iPhone or have your mom do it? Or so I, I asked my mom, cause I, I, it was like, he has the, just the worst bark, just this shrill, <laughs> just it's, it's so loud. And, and, um, and, and I, I asked her to send it, you know, get, get him barking. Cause I thought it, it just for temp. And then we were, we were in the, in the mix I I asked the question. I was like, because I, I thought I recognized the bark. And I, is that what I, is that our temp? And sure enough, and it, and it, it worked perfectly. Wow. Yeah. And and they nice. really and once they knew that that was my mom's dog, they they made sure to like really feature it prominently. And uh, I, awesome. I, I was very very grateful. Very cool. um, that's, that's... But but yeah. So talk about all the all the like the cats. And the dogs. Did somebody have a turtle? Did I hear that? There's a uh, there is a diagram that exists that tells you whose whose animals are up there. I will say that there are three cats for my household. 
up there, uh, and uh, my family's going to be very happy to see that. <laughs> they, they, they ended up in good, good, good spots. Thanks to the uh, thanks to the folks on set. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I too have a, a cat and two dogs up on up on that board. The cat is my cat, and then uh, uh, family members' cats or family members' dogs. My cat Pimento, named after Mike Erman Trout's favorite sandwich. Who has an Instagram? A charming Instagram. He does. He does have an Instagram. You just have to find it. Johnny runs. That's right, Johnny, also an, an alum of uh, of Better Call Saul, who's now uh, over on uh, this the This Is Us. Yep. Um, which is, uh, which this, there's no other connection to This Is Us uh, on this podcast. Isn't that right, Mike? <laughs> Absolutely not. Exactly. So, um, hey, Mike, does, uh, can I ask Mike a question? Yeah, sure. Does, do, do bears actually shit in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on the type of bear. You know, not all bears live in the woods, Vince. I don't know if you know that. It's kind of a stereotype that everyone, Kind of pigeonholes us as 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 wood living creatures, but also it also depends on if you're in a national park versus a state park. Personally, I'm a creature comforts guy. I like a nice two ply, a bidet if I can get it, and I'm golden. Well, hey, there it is. You heard it here first. I mean, that's uh, th- from, that's comfort from the horse's mouth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. And the important questions. I thought that was the answer. <laughs> I and all, all um, actually a call back to uh, to an earlier podcast that I was just thinking of that you were talking about that black book, that little black book that um, where everything's written in code. Um, one that was one of the priester eggs, as we called them, uh, in the six hundred one podcast. So you you see that uh, very briefly, and uh, so there you go. It's all paying off. It's all nice. coming to fruition. Nice. A plan. Like a Swiss watch. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, it, it does tell a little bit of a story because that's the obviously Jimmy does not buy that uh, buy that book, but if somehow Saul has it. So you know, that's maybe yeah. that's maybe that's how he made some of his underworld contacts. Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saul knows a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. Yes, that's right. And you know, it also uh, just to say this one thing: we because we were so we were struggling for years with how. Saul knows about the disappearer, but mm. Mike doesn't. Yeah, and, and yep. this was this was actually us figuring out. Well, he must have found out about this the disappearer from from the vet, and yeah. uh, without Mike present. So that oh, that's, that's cool. um, that was yeah. us. That was us trying to trying to make sense of uh, how many episodes. One hundred and ten episodes at this. I don't know how many episodes altogether. One hundred and twenty five. 125 episodes. By the time, well, uh, by the time, by the time we're, we're finished. I don't yeah, know where right. we are here, though. Where, yeah, we are, right, where are we right. here? We're 100, uh, 100, 100. Six, six no. minus uh, 19. Six minus 119, 118. 118 and a movie. We're trying to trying to keep it all making sense. Do you, you you want to know something funny? With the two shows and the movie, that's 127 hours. So if you watched it straight through, that's the exact amount of time it take before you cut your own arm off. Oh, uh, we should have removed Casper's arm. It would have been that's, that's what we did. <laughs> worked perfectly. Oh yeah. How, so did uh, did we really chop that guy's uh, foot off? It was handy because this this actor actually uh, is missing a foot. Uh, he has a prosthetic foot, so it made it made it made the job really easy. That's definitely not true. Uh, no, it, was, it was it uh, was. It was it was a combination of um, we chopped off a PA's foot. That's oh no! <laughs> it's, it's, it's a dangerous world out there. Um, <laughs> just for PAs. 
What I'm what I'm curious about is, you know, you guys are we talked a little bit about in the other podcast. You guys are playing a long game with several different strands here. Um, obviously you've got the strand of whatever the hell is happening with this actor who and the plan that Kim and Jimmy are setting up. And even going back and watching the episodes a couple of times, I'm like, am I missing something? No, I don't think so. I think I'm not supposed to know. I'm hoping that that's the case. Okay. Um, And so I'm just going with it, just trying to understand. So that's a long game that you guys are playing. The other long game that you guys are playing is what is going on? Because again, we talked about this before. We know Lalo is alive, but, and Gus thinks, or he knows that Lalo is alive, but there's no real proof that Lalo is alive. But we know, but Mike and his guys are really just kind of going with, hey, we're going to protect you. We're, we've got, you know, everybody's covered. We're waiting for him to show up, but they don't really know. And so there's a lot of scenes that you guys have throughout where it's like, okay, we've got Tyrus questioning Mark, Mike about the lookout guys. Mike insists that the guys, you know, stay certain places or, you know. And so I'm curious... Um, when you guys were breaking all of these stories, and this is a question that I'm going to ask when we're done with the whole thing, but you guys have talked many times before during Breaking Bad about, we didn't know where this was going when we started on day one in the writer's room. So I'm not asking you guys to answer that question quite yet, but I am curious about the long game that you guys are playing where we really, as an audience, we don't know where all these strands are leading. It, It tickles me. To no end, it always has. Uh, once once we got a rhythm going on Breaking Bad, it tickles me when people, maybe about the highest praise there is, it tickles me when people say, oh my God, did you guys know how it was all going to fold together and, and tie together? Because, you know, we, we didn't. I mean, and I think that goes for, I mean, if we knew, I mean, it kind of presupposes if we knew it was all gone, we would have had it all figured out on day one and, and it would have, robbed us of some uh, very fun times and and sometimes very frustrating times in the writer's room where we're trying to figure out how, what happens. Because it's a question of, it's a, the fundamental question of what happens next. But when it feels to the audience like we had it all figured out from the get-go, that's the best feeling because I can assure you we didn't. You know, and it's just like it's, it's, it's asking yourself over and over again, what have we said in the past that we can use in the future? Or, or in the present here, what mm-hmm. what have we, you know, and because, right, I mean, the, the, starting with Kim, just like uh, before her, uh, uh, Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul playing Jesse Pinkman, we didn't know how great Ray Seahorn was going to, just how utterly wonderful she was going to be to work with. So, you know, at the beginning of it all, we didn't even know there'd be a Kim. I mean, we knew there was, in the first episode, there was this blonde woman with a ponytail who's sitting next to Howard Hamlin. Howard Hamlin was the important one. Mm-hmm. Kim Kim was maybe someone we could do something with, maybe not. And, you know, it's like, uh, it just, that's how, that's you know, it's that's what's the fun and the frustration of doing this job. But Ariel and Peter, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, just like looking at the pieces on the board and saying, okay, what character has experienced what, you know, who knows what, who wants what, you know, where all their heads are at, what, what you know, where they're like weaving that web together is, is some of the most frustrating and most exciting yeah. parts of this job. I, I will say, I, th- I will say, uh, just to answer the more narrow question, I think maybe, maybe Kelly's getting at, we did have to figure out what Jimmy and Kim's scheme was going to be and yes. what this, what this yes. whole thing was really about. 
Uh, and then we're kind of letting, the, I, I think, you know, in the tradition of the great, the great scam movies like The Sting, where you're watching and you, you know they're up to something, but you don't know quite how all the pieces fit together. Right. Uh, you, you know, we did have it. We had a, we had a, a thought about where we were going with all of it, that. Um, you know, but, in, in, but, you know, the details of it really evolve a lot, even though, you know, even though we have a direction and we kind of can feel, okay, it's going to, and I, I just can't say much more uh, at yeah. this point in the season, but it's, we did, we definitely thought about that. And we definitely thought about, uh, you know, what are, what are Lalo's moves here? And, mm -hmm. and where is this, where is this, where is this ending up? And we talk ahead uh, as much as we possibly can, but then we're always willing to throw away everything we talked about in in order to make the show make sense and the characters make sense moment by moment. Uh, so that it's sort of a, that was, we spent a few weeks at the beginning of the season trying to tease this out, which is a little bit unusual for us because, you know, our characters don't usually have plans that last, that run for more than one episode, you know, yeah. they, they, they're usually responding to the circumstances uh, and so this is uh, this was a little different for us on that. Is That's, that what you were getting at, Kelly? Yes. Thank you so much for that, because I'm always very fascinated by how you guys come up with things. That's why my questions are always like a broken record, because I'm like, it's so interesting to me how you guys think of it. But in this case, as I was watching, I was like, did I miss something? Should I know? OK, I don't think so. I think I'm not supposed to know. I'm just supposed to keep going. But then I'm going, well, how do you guys parse that into over three, four, five episodes? You know, did you figure out what the whole thing was going to be and then start to parse it through? That's all. And if you don't want to yeah. say, that's fine. But I think there that was... you answered my question well enough. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I answered a question. You did. Thank you so much. No, you know what? I mean, it's like it just it, it reminds me so much of being there. And Peter just, you know, because I edited a couple of episodes that you directed and we would have sometimes these discussions yeah. in the room. And it was always very fascinating to me to find out, like, you know, what does this mean? And, it, you know, honestly, I got to say it, it helps me when I edit, too, you know, because I feel like I'm part of the, you know, the storyteller here as well. And I want to work in conjunction with you guys and try and figure that out. And well, even though I'm not there now, just even making my notes, I'm like. Where did this come from? I'll, How I'll did tell you, you do this? I'll tell you, I remember that. But what I remember uh, most of all, Kelly, is how emotionally involved you were with the lives of the characters and how much you care about them. And, and I feel that with, with Chris and Skip, too, that there's that you guys are, are putting so much emotional energy and getting so much out of it. Now I'm getting, Vince needs to undercut me quick because I'm getting sappy. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's, you guys are so, have put so much... And and sometimes people will say, and I this is my hobby horse. Well, people will say, oh well, that's they sometimes they call it the tech like the tech Emmys or there's something like that. Like it's it's all techno technological. You're you're putting you're just putting shots together, and it couldn't be further from the truth. You're you're sculpting emotion, and you can't do that without putting yourselves in there very much the same way that the the cast does, and the very much the same way that we do, because we you know. We 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 get in there with those folks too. Anyway, that's sorry. Ah, that's that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, talk about how great your editing is, Chris McHale. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. oh. before before People I do, people haven't that, even I just, seen it yet. I, that that was that was. Uh, oh my god, that was uh, that was very nice of you to say, Peter. But I just wanted to make sure to clarify that you don't feel that way about working with Joey Reinish or Joey Lou. No. 
Oh, I no, just wanted to not. make sure that's on no. record. Those guys, those guys are just, those guys are just, no, I mean, you know, they're just pushing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> just a set of hands, right? Oh, isn't that, isn't that what the, like the worst of them say? Like yeah, you're just, just a set of hands. <laughs> Who said that you know to what? you? Who said that? Oh, no. Name I, some names. I, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've actually never, I've never heard it said. Uh, okay. I, I have, but I have, heard, I know people who've had it said to them Jesus. by, you know, like, you know, le- like legendary asshole filmmaker types. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I mean, seriously. We can I'll figure it out by looking at IMDb, Chris. I mean, <laughs> right. no, not me, not me. You know, it's, it's, it is really nice to hear that. Thank you so much because, you know, a lot of people do think that we just, you know, throw pictures together or assemble. They're just, oh, you're just, an, it's just an assembly. right? And it's like, no. And you know what? There's some editors, Chris and I have talked about this before, there's some editors that we've talked to who are like, don't really understand the need to ask these kinds of questions, which is kind of heartbreaking. But I guess also what I want to get at is with those guys, um, you know, just like Chris came up behind me, Joey and Joey Reinish and Joey Lou, and all of the assistants are hopefully all of these things are rubbing off on them. You know, I know that I get things in my Twitter feed where people are like, wow, we learned so much about editing just from you asking those questions. So I'm I'm hoping that it, you know, gets a little bit more widespread. But that's nice. Yeah. But seriously, thank you, Peter, because, you know, not being there and not have having read these scripts, I'm, you know, getting to experience the show in a very, very different way for the last several seasons. And. I'm always fascinated by that because these are specific things that you guys have made choices on. And I find that that's why the show I think is so much higher of a caliber than a lot of the things that I watch. That's nice. nice. Very nice. Yeah. That's sweet. I want to say something nasty now. Yeah, please. Yeah, please. right. I know. Vince, Vince <laughs> rescue, I just, you took rescue us from this whirlpool of earnestness. Ariel, what is, how, how much more pressure or, 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 was it more pressure having to take on an entire episode? What was that like for you? Uh, having did you feel more pressure? Did it just feel natural? Did it? I, I I can stop putting words in your mouth. What 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 else? Talk talk about your experience. I mean, it you know I absolutely felt pressure. You know, you want to do a good job. You want to you know write a script that uh that makes the bosses proud. That makes you know that that is is right by the show and the character no and the story. No notes. No, right? no, exactly. Not a single note. No, but um, obviously you're going to get notes. Um, and the notes only make it better. It's what I felt when I was co-writing episode 510 with Peter, when I was co-writing episode 602 with Tom. Um, you know, I've had, you know, the the pleasure of working on the show for a while and, and having been able to write a couple, co-write a couple of episodes, this felt very natural. Obviously it was, there was more of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was... I had a, I had fun. I had a blast. I was so grateful to have the opportunity to write to write a full episode. You did. I know we only job. have so many. Yeah. How, and, long, uh, you, you how long did they it. give you? How long did they give you to write a full episode? Ariel, just curious. Three days. Yeah. What? How long does it take to watch one, Kelly? <laughs> For, Forty-seven minutes. And, yeah, and that's <laughs> plenty for a young person. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Young mm-hmm. people have. Vigor and, and you know and energy, unlike uh, Peter and me. So, <laughs> but, but it's, forty-seven but it's minutes still, should be plenty. It's still the same way that you guys were doing it all along, right? You break together, even mm-hmm. though you're on Zoom. You break together. I, I th- you know, this season seriously because of the because uh, of two two things. I'll just say two more earnest things. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. Uh, one is uh, because 
of COVID, uh, you know, we pushed production. So most of us ended up with more time to write than usual, uh, which was which was which was a good thing. But it also because of COVID, Ariel didn't get to go on her set, yeah. which yeah. just sucks. And yeah. um, you know, I, I nobody's more prepared to go and and produce uh, an episode and be on set. I had I was lucky. I had Ariel on set for five ten. When I was directing, uh, and it, she was, you know, incredibly helpful. And then she also, we, we, because we knew that this was going to come up in, in season four, uh, Ariel went and and uh, sort of shadowed on uh, an episode Vince directed, mm-hmm. uh, episode eight, I believe it was that season. Nine, nine episode nine. nine, episode nine that season. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it was just so ironic and, and sad that the episode that you wrote completely on your own is the one that you didn't get to go to Albuquerque for, but it's one yeah. of many, one of many, uh, I, I, you know, one of many problems that we've had because of COVID. I, I'm going to come for out for score against COVID. <laughs> Square. It's kind of growing on me now after two years. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a shame. I mean, thankfully, you know, I knew the episode was in fantastic hands, um, you know, and, uh, Gene Cotley did a great job and, you know, he had Michael Morris and, you know, you got to be on set for a little bit, Peter. And I was so grateful. I mean, being, being, especially as like a younger writer, you know, having those opportunities to be on set is, it's so important. I was so grateful you guys gave me a couple of opportunities prior to this COVID season. Um, I would say, you know, any chance, you know, a writer has to get to be on set just to, just to see how it all comes together. I think it's, it's so important and, and so valuable. Not just for the product, the end product, you know, having a writer on set is great, but also as a writer, it makes you a better writer, I think, seeing yeah. it all come together. You yeah. know, you're realizing how the words are translated, how other people are seeing them, how it's all, yeah, being I remember, I remember right after, Chris and I were on something together right after Breaking Bad finished, and I remember asking the question to a couple of writer friends, I'm like, how do you learn how to go do that, you know, because a lot of one of the cool things that I've always thought was great about Breaking Bad and Vince was that he um, facilitated all the other departments learning about what the other departments were doing. It makes for a much more cohesive project. And I will say, after being on lots of different things, that is a, it seems like a rarity, which is bad. It's bad. You know, that is and, one of the great things about me. Yes. It's not the, it's not the only one, but yes. <laughs> I think it is. No. I think it might be the only one, Vince. I, it, it probably is. That's it, it right there. Is, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I remember asking, Chris, I don't know if you remember, but I remember talking to you about it and going, how do these writers learn? And I remember suggesting to showrunners, hey, bring your writers in the room. You know, we can teach them to be better producers. And they, you know, for whatever reason, they're like, eh, you know, and I'm like, well, how are you, fuck are you supposed to learn? I'll, and I'll say it again. I've said it a million times. It's worth saying a million and one times. I give credit to Chris Carter, the, the mm-hmm. creator of uh, the X-Files, because that's how he taught me. That's how he taught all of us. He expected us, and he wasn't doing us charity. He wasn't being selfless. He wanted us to be good producers. He wanted us to go to the set. He wanted us to listen into Mark Snow's amazing music and give notes. He wanted us to sit in the editing room and with our great editors and, you know, uh, uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's, uh, if he had done it a different way, uh, honestly, all joking aside, I'd probably do it a different way myself and I'd be the poorer for it. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's amazing. I mean, this is something a a common theme we keep coming back to on this podcast and in, you know, any panel discussions we've ever done is just the the importance of mentorship 
and the importance mm-hmm. of you know sending the elevator back down to help people out and 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 yep. t- teaching mm-hmm. people that you know the the best way to do things as, as you know them i i it's so essential yep Absolutely. I, think so uh, I think it's our responsibility. Yeah. Agreed. Vince, you just mentioned you mentioned uh music um you know and and having to hear or getting to hear the 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 music uh for on the X-Files. This episode has a, I mean we can't say enough good things about Dave Porter. But yeah. this episode it, there there are a couple of great cues but there's one in particular that we've also been talking about around the office. We did just mix this episode last week so it's been it's been on our minds. But there's a, a a really beautiful piece that is um it's underscoring Mike as he's going to have his phone conversation with Kaylee and it's it's a really different sound for the show and for Mike and it was such an a, an emotional sound I I this isn't even a, this isn't a question it's just I just wanted to bring it up I I you know I don't know if uh, enough good things can be said about Dave Porter feel, he's the best How great is Dave Porter Yeah it's an emotional yeah. moment Does it feel like Dave has had the opportunity for a little more music this season and this final season does it seem that way Yes I would say yeah. so and uh there's more more coming than than the folks listening to this have heard and it's yeah. uh he he's he's doing a re- remarkable work Yeah yeah, he sure is, and and that that wasn't a plan or anything. It just the way it kind of worked out, right? I mean, yeah. It, or, yeah, it's a, a lot of big stuff this season, a lot of big emotional moments, and uh, having having Dave make those moments sharper and and more plaintive and more dramatic and more everything is 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 nothing but to the good. Yeah, it's and a and, great thing. and and speaking of plan, as a rule, we don't tell him where the music is. He tells us. Yeah, he, he, we we watch right. the, we watch the the shows, you know, moment by moment, and uh, he'll say. Sometimes I'll turn to him and he'll say, "Oh, you, I don't want to be in here. That's that you don't need me yeah. here." Uh, <laughs> Which I've never it, seen on anything else. I gotta say, <laughs> so far I have yeah. not. Why? Because composers want to be in every minute? No, you're usually putting temp in way before the composer is involved at all. Right. No temp. I wish it all have t-shirts with the word temp with a red. (laughs) (laughs) No temp. I hate temp. We never do temp. Never, ever, ever. And uh, I appreciated Netflix not not wanting it on uh, El Camino. And no, I just, temp music. If... Oh, you, the editor should talk about this, but it's like it, uh, you two wonderful editors. It, if it's uh, if it ain't working, you know, it, it you, it's got to work without any music. Exactly. That's my that's my cornerstone philosophy. One of my cornerstone editing philosophies. If it doesn't work without any music, uh, that's how you got to watch it the first time. You got to make it work for you without music, and then when you add the music, it's only going to get better you know, with someone like Dave Porter as the composer. But uh, this temp music thing where you spackle on temp music to cover up all the bullshit and all the, uh, and all the, uh, I'm not talking about on our show. Yes. About, <laughs> but it's just like, oh yeah, it's, uh, it just, uh, the, the, the music's going to make, the music, by the way, the music, music is, uh, I mean, we're so lucky to be able to have, you know, the John Williamses of the world and the Dave Porters and the uh, Jerry Goldsmiths or whatever. And, and, and they add, in in incalculable value to any project, any any good TV show or movie, but you know, it's, if it's if 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 you're already saying early stages of the editing room, but I can't wait to see what the composer does. It's like yes, true, we can't wait to see what the composer does. 
But if you're counting on the composer to make it work because it ain't working in the first place, you got you got big problems. I would Absolutely. just like to second this. This is one of the craziest things to me coming into the show in season four. Every show I'd worked on prior, yep. very temp music heavy. This is yep. such a valuable piece of information. You can spend so much more time on the stuff that matters, the tiny details, mm-hmm. and get just as good, if not better, end result. And you don't have to fall in love with Inception or what everybody's yeah. <laughs> or like or Vince, like you always said, like why would I put why would I score my thing with Batman? Thing with Batman, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Yeah, like, but you know what? Yeah. That's the reality. I got. I just got to say, it's yeah, that is, that is right. reality out there, and you know we have to do it. So, well, young folks listening, or even folks already doing, God bless you listening, who are already doing this job. It doesn't have to be the reality. And if you're it an executive, that way. if you're an executive, and uh, you know, you can also let your uh, showrunners know that maybe you have a little bit of imagination and a little bit of uh, filmmaking knowledge and you don't need, you don't need someone to walk you through with temp music because yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, it's ultimately about fear. You know, it's about yeah. fear that things aren't going to land. And, and, yeah. uh, and, and I, the one, one of the things I learned from working with Vince Gilligan is uh, a fortune favors the bold. And, you know, you just have to, you have to have, you have to have the guts. You have to have the guts to say uh, that this is, this is something that's worth, worth watching. And then, and then you can gussy it up after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and not to it's a trick. I don't want anyone misreading. I want to be real precise. I, I agree with everything uh, Joey and uh, and Peter just said, and, and Chris, every, all of that. But it, it's it is that is not to take away from the fundamental importance of music. Oh, yeah. Because when you are lucky enough to have a Dave Porter, it's it's that's just to be precise. It's not about that that doesn't add value. Of course it adds inestimable value, but it's just fundamental storytelling has to be working uh, on some level before the music comes into play. And just just to, to just to hammer, just belabor the point more than we should, composers hate temp music. The yeah. Composers hate temp music because you can't help but fall in love with how the temp, once it, the picture yeah. works with music, you get so locked in. Everyone who's working on the, the show locks in um, whatever yeah. that temp music is, and so a lot of a lot of composers are asked to duplicate the temp music, yeah. uh, but just be far enough away that they won't get sued, that there's no lawsuits, which is you know, which is just terrible, which is ins- yeah. which is crazy, yeah. which is crazy, yeah. and and it's a yeah. very common industry practice, and it's yeah. it's not good for creativity, uh, no. you know, no. God bless composers. Uh, that I, that's just makes my skin crawl just hearing you say that, and it's absolutely true. It's just you know what 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 did you go to school for if you if some asshole is going to make you listen to watch his, his magnum opus and make you listen to the score for Batman and then say do that? You know, it's just it's just like what'd you go to school for? What'd you go to Berkeley School of Music for? Yeah, well, or whatever. But, you know? And you know the yeah. great scores don't sound like all the other scores. You know, and it's it's right. uh, it's, it's, it's not going to feel original if you don't give the ch- you don't give the folks who are working on it. To, I've got, I'm I'm shutting up now. This is enough of this. No, this is this is what I'd be listening to this thing for if I was listening to this thing. I think we're yeah, very I mean, opi- we're very opinionated on this subject, especially about <laughs> Batman. Well, that's nothing against you. Know. Yeah, nothing okay, against yeah. Batman. The music in Batman's great. It's just like stop putting it onto your. 
you know, everything reboot of, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, F troop or something. If you're making that as a movie, <laughs> I mean, whatever, you know, that's just <laughs> F troop. Now you're making me think of F troop with that, you know, that Hans Zimmer. <clears throat> <laughs> Which troop is it? Troop, it's F troop. Do you know, by the way, that uh, uh, Michelle McLaren used to live in Larry Storch's old house? Whoa, whoa! That's that's a Hollywood trivia nugget for you, ladies and gentlemen. And like and like ninety nine point nine of people listening are saying, "Who the hell is Larry Storch?" Google, but yeah, Google him. He was wonderful. <laughs> Before we wrap up, Ariel, what can you tell us about? This has been a very uh, bathroom heavy episode but what can you tell us about the time toilet oh man yeah am i allowed to talk about the time toilet probably not i don't know (laughs) we should do a podcast just for the time toilet i I think it should be an audio series (laughs) (laughs) kelly doesn't know what the time toilet is i neither and neither did i i'm like looking back over my notes and and you were poorer for not knowing it so Uh, yes Speaking of the, you know, things we, um, we at the, in the Bring Bad Better Call Saul world inherited, I guess, think from, from Chris Carter in the X-Files, um, when we send out our room notes during the writer's room at the end of every, every day, we include a quote of the day, something funny that was said, because, you know, we have fun. We do have fun. <laughs> and um, so that was something, I guess, that, um, that I think Jenny started it. And so she, she brought, she brought yeah. it to us. Um, right. And then um, it sort of continued throughout Bring Bad. And then we started doing it in... Better call Saul. And so um, when when we wrapped, when the when the room wrapped, I and um, uh, Valerie Chu, who's the writer's assistant for this past season, we put together every quote of the day for every day in the writer's room starting season one. And we put it in this book called Time Toilet Quotes from the Better Call Saul Writer's Room, which is a reference to a joke from the Better Call Saul Writer's Room about a time toilet. Which I, I maintain could be the greatest uh, TV show or movie in the history of the <laughs> cinema. I really do. Do we have a minute for you to tell us, one of you to tell us a story of time toilet? Or or should, we, know, keep that, should we keep this quiet? I don't, I don't want any other big Hollywood producers stealing that from us. That's f- f- fair point. Very fair point. You know, it, it's smart. Some, it's smart. That, that, uh, it's yeah. uh, it's a it's a it's a cutthroat industry sometimes. Um, and, you know, be. speaking of being cutthroat, we unfortunately got to cut bait and get out of here. They're getting worse. But I can't nice. go without uh, shouting out Clementine Donnell, who uh, is, is is she is she Melissa's assistant? Is that her? She is. And. She put together. She, Peter, you you know better than I do. Well, there, you know, did. this it's uh, Howard. Howard's looking through all the photographs that his uh, his PI has taken, and uh, I remember we broke this in the room. Uh, we, we had this idea, and Vince, Vince, you with the, with the great foresight kept saying, "Does it have to be a whole stack of photographs? Could it just be?" One or two, and I was very insistent that it needed to be a lot of photographs uh, for a bu- bunch of reasons. Uh, which, you know, and then Clementine ended up uh, coordinating the production of all these photographs. And, you know, there are some some uh, with Bob and Ray in them and some with but there are all sorts of people from the crew in these pictures. And they are they are just great. These surveillance pictures, I just buy a thousand percent. They're just they're so beautifully done. But they're also were a huge pain in the ass to do. And in fact, I feel like there were probably as many meetings about those photographs as there were about any anything else in this in this episode uh but but uh, yes clementine 
led the way, and boy, did she do a great job. Woo, yeah. Thank you, we to thank you. Super complicated, and and uh, she really did just an incredible job. She did job. a great job. Clem's the best. She really is. Can I just also say that when you're watching this, you should definitely go on the uh, internet tubes and watch Ariel's latest magnum opus. Um, yes. You won't be able to see them yet. I believe they're not airing. as When this episode airs. <laughs> They will not be out yet, but they will be out Cut soon. Cut that out then. Well, Never then, mind. Noda, Noda, Noda. Coming soon. Also, and and, yes, and coming speaking soon. of Valerie Chu, who uh, who uh, the other the, the co co writer of Time Toilet, the uh, the, the, the greatest <laughs> book in the history of uh, should be on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> Perversely, <laughs> it's not. But Valerie Chu did the great job writing the uh, the American Greed. Uh, a special we did. Oh the, yeah, the the, the the Jimmy McGill, James Morgan McGill, American Greed special. That was awesome. That was so Hi- cool. Highly so, recommend so cool. if you seek that out. Um, on uh, I know it's on the AMC YouTube channel. It's it's really worth watching, and it's 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 really fantastic. Um, and uh, we gotta go. I uh, want to thank you guys for for doing this, and 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 thanks to Giancarlo for hey. uh, make he's he's. I mean, boy, is his schedule crazy. So, because uh, I mean, he he sort of mentioned, you know, a big part of what makes his schedule crazy. So, um, so we can, really, he, really can we say that. what he was in the middle of? He's in the middle of the the Mandalorian. Story. I mean, that right. I, I think I think he'd said it. Um, yeah, right. Okay, right. I think he but said he was it. Literally but... on the. He, he was literally at the offices there shooting it, right, or something like that. I think he's yeah. out of town this weekend. Oh, okay. El Paso, okay. maybe. Maybe he's oh, at one okay. of those conventions. He's oh yeah, he's El Paso Comic Con. Um, oh, wow. He does a lot oh, of those cool. conventions. So yeah, I just want to thank him for do- making the time and and thank all of you and th- also thanks to Jen for for uh, putting these together. And hey, you know, Jen. and Woo. and I want to thank Mike. Mike, you you really did a lot of heavy lifting today, and I really want to thank you for that. And um, Chris, you are my favorite. I don't have a lot of favorites, but you are one of them. So oh, that's nice of you to say. Uh, and uh, and thanks to Chris Sullivan for just for no reason in particular. I also want to shout out three friends who uh, helped me out a ton by teaching me how to use another application for noise reduction, uh, which is going to save me like six or eight hours an episode because I was manually keyframing audio. You don't need to hear about this. But anyway, I just wanted to thank Drew Coombs, Mark Robb, and Jesse Stillwell. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And Ariel, yes. we'd like for you to to drop the proverbial axe on this episode. And you know, every <laughs> at the end of every episode, we have one of our guests uh, t- uh, sort of give us a sign-off with their uh, their best uh, Better Call Saul sign off. So, would you would All you right. do us the honors? I would love to. Better Call Saul. Hey, hey. Yeah. nice one.